I know I'm not alone, Austin. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. and you know that feeling. It's a cold or the flu or COVID-19. Whatever it is, I need it gone fast. When I feel symptoms coming on, I have an MD Live virtual doctor visit. MD Live's doctors treat my family from the comfort of home, even writing prescriptions. No waiting room needed. MD Live. Use it as your first line of defense. Most insurance accepted. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer, and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. For the next 25 minutes, we talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are responsible, 100% so, for your happiness, joy, and well-being, and today's topic kind of addresses that. It does, because... We're going to use and go back to what we were doing in the previous segment. We're going to finish wrapping up our story about primary and secondary questions. And we kind of came to the realization that when we shift back to primary questions, these more universal questions, we focus responsibly back on ourselves and less onto others. Uh, We get snared up in a codependency when we look at others as our responsibility. We treat them as objects, we treat them as something to fix, and we get going away from primary questions about ourselves, about our own healing, about our own process and journey through this life. So we were using the example of Micah and Tino. But before we get there, if I could interrupt, please, I did throw out a bit of a homework challenge. Oh. And the idea yeah, was to focus <clears throat> focus. On are your friends asking secondary questions? Are you asking secondary questions? Where's the energy going there? Raising that awareness of what you hear in conversations about. And the the job, and I'm going to throw it out again. The job isn't to say, oh, man, you're asking secondary questions. That's terrible. Yeah. Just name it. Just be mindful. Like inside your head go, oh, I see this as, this is a little conversation in your head. Oh, I can see that as a secondary question because it's a dead-end question. It it doesn't really lead to um, a universal principle. And the way you can determine that, and this is more of a a discernment gift, and and it's a skill that you can develop, and that is, does the answer to that question make things better? And am I responsible for action? In other words, if you're asking a secondary question such as, what's wrong with my husband? How is that going to make things better? Because you're just going to, it's going to justify your position. But if you simply say, how can I work with my husband so I stay in acceptance with him? Here's one thing that's real interesting, and I've noticed this so many times. It's moving from hypothesis to theory to almost law. What I mean by that is there are some things in our marriage that I I would like to have had you change. And every time I focused on you changing that behavior, it got worse. And it isn't that you were different. It's that my perception of what you did was different. And I'm just using this because it's safe. I'm not blaming anyone else. 
But the minute I focused on me, you got better. Oh my gosh, you improved so much. <laughs> it was marvelous how you just learned things that I wish you had known for a long time. And yes, it sounds kind of funny, but think about the questions. Think about the times where I would get so frustrated with you. And then when I started working on Richard, then I go, oh, she's just doing this. I get it. I get I see where she's going. That's all I'm suggesting. When your focus is on solution and you're the solution, when your energy is on acceptance, because I've already made the decision who I want to be with. So there's no doubt. I have questions, but there's no doubt. And then if my position is simply neutral, I want to get along with you. I want to have fun with you. I want to enjoy. How is me getting angry going to make it better? Now, this is a cognitive experience right now. I get it. Mm -hmm. The way you learn and practice this is not cognitively. You have to practice this in mindfulness. So the first place you start is in awareness. Really work on this week, paying attention to secondary questions. If you don't, if you're quarantined, I mean, if you're, you know, you're still in COVID um, environment, watch a program on TV, watch a murder mystery, watch something. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the most dramas and a sit, watch a sitcom and everything about that's dysfunctional. That's why it's funny. They break all the rules. That's of why we find it entertaining. I don't know what it's it is. Problem. It's demented. Right. I know. Okay. So <laughs> use that as a way to name it. Oh, that's a secondary question. That's all I'm saying. You're not calling the person out. You're simply being Naming aware it. of it. All right. So let's get back to Mike and Tino. Yeah. So we had Mike and Tino and Mike is this frustrated wife because her husband doesn't express enough. He's moved into isolation. Um, she can't get enough attention and affection from him, and they're seeing a coach by the name of Dr. Holland. And he's put the drama triangle in front of them after he walked them through what a primary question is versus a secondary question. So as a review, there are three segments to the questions that we identified. So the primary question in identity is... Who am I? The, and notice if I know who I am, uh, you done, can cover a lot of things yeah. with who am We've I? covered shadows in here. Yeah. And if my belief is that I don't have worth, that no one listens to me, um, that it's my husband's role, I just lost my identity. That's the reason Micah's challenged because she doesn't know who she is. She needs to have her husband satisfy her with the three A's. Yeah, the affirmation, the affection, and the approval. And, and we've done several segments on the three A's before. It's always good to revisit them because they are a, um, it, 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 if they're not coming from a relationship of trust and respect, right. and if you didn't get them early enough in life, then you will seek them out in a way that is unhealthy and addictive. And nothing, Tina, nothing Micah is doing will elicit a healthy three A's from her husband. Nothing. It's completely collusionary. Yeah. So she's actually setting herself up for failure, then digging in her heels and deepening her neural pathway of addiction because she's expecting her husband to do all of the changing and she wants him to be something he is not. And the irony is that when Micah goes to Dr. Holland to get some help, it's out of that d drive to fix her husband that she's even getting help. But this this coach is is quietly and carefully redirecting her. And he did that in the previous segment when he introduced the primary questions. And that's where we're at right now. So uh, identity, who am I? The process. How do I heal, learn, grow, achieve? 
what questions do I need to ask? So if Mike is asking the questions of herself, how, how can I get the three A's without demanding my husband do it? It's a, a good, healthy question. I'm solution-based. Better even before that is who am I? So there we go. And then the habitat. What habits do I need to acquire? How do I deliberately practice them? And that is usually foreign turf. Deliberately practice doesn't make sense. I'll just give a quick example. When I teach this to um, mothers, and I will say, okay, when are you all deliberately practicing being a mom? Usually I'm met with indignance. They're pretty upset with <laughs> well, of me. Of course. Because it's like, um, what are you talking about? I am always a mom. I'm doing it 100% of the time, all day long. And no my breaks. Re my response is, no, that's game time. You're in the game. Like, you're in the game 24-7. Even professionals aren't playing a game 24-7. When are you practicing on your own? When are you rejuvenating? When are you creating and carving out that ability to practice, even in mindfulness? Okay, so if you were to take that and just for a moment, we're going to just go off of a tangent of um, how do I deliberately practice being a healthy person? Oh, is that only when I'm doing my 30 minutes of exercise a day? Hmm. No, it's, it is a mindset. It is something I'm taking into mindfulness. So when we're talking about that word deliberate, it's deliberately like reprogramming yourself. It's not just, okay, an action I do in a small segment of time. I have a client who is now um, four or five weeks, six weeks now from vaping. He, one of his goals when he first called me was that he wanted to stop vaping. It was very challenging for him to do it. What happened over time was that he started little, small practicing of being healthy. He started asking questions like, well, what if I'm healthy today? What does that look like? Well, vaping never entered into the imagination of being healthy. Being healthy meant, oh, then I'm able to do this and I'm able to do that. He started seeing himself do it in his imagination. He's pretending to put another word into it. So many times that one day he called me up and he says, I quit cold turkey yesterday. I need to talk. <laughs> but he quit cold turkey after months and months of deliberate practice. He realized that's what a healthy person looks like. And you need to understand, he wasn't doing it 30 minutes a day. He's a very young person, just out of high school. He was doing it enough, however, that he was starting to have experiences where he started to believe in the pretend mindfulness connecting upstairs and downstairs mode. Yeah, what if I did that? And now it's he's starting to, he, he asked me a question in the last session and he gave the answer as a seven minute or, oration that he gave. It's beautiful. He, he clearly articulated the answer to a primary question that he was working on and I didn't have to say a word. He was using the vocabulary found in the models and definitions book. That's what we're suggesting. You can do this a little bit every day at a time. It starts with being aware. Name the behavior, then visualize yourself. What if I can do this? Pretend every now and then. When you go to the restroom, when you take a shower, when you walk from point A to point B, you can have children all around you and you can still practice. So anyway. Okay, so that's more of what deliberate practice. So secondary questions or dead end questions on the identity issue. What are secondary questions? What's your problem? What's my problem? On the process question. How do I fix my spouse? How do I convince them to do? And then on the habitat. Why are you talking to me 
Or what else can I do? I've done everything. All right. So Dr. Holland pulls out the model. And this is the drama triangle model with the focus, energy, and position. And says to her, are you focused on the solution to your relationship or on the problem? The problem. Is your energy one of acceptance or resistance to Tino and your relationship? I guess resistance. Are you coming from a position of neutrality and seeking to understand Tino and the situation, or are you biased trying to get him to agree with your point of view? Yeah, I get it. I'm trying to get him to change. After many years of working with young couples who are doing their best in their marriage, I've learned that if they focus on answering the primary questions, they grow with each other instead of apart from each other. So then Dr. Holland explained the difference between primary and secondary questions. So a primary question, just as for review now, is to seek for universal truths and principles. Is there a God? Who am I? How can I learn, change, grow? What don't I already know? Answers to primary questions are satiable and they promote growth. But secondary questions seek for information to prove a point or to justify one's immaculate perception. Think of your friends again. Look at what you're naming. If you've got people talking to you and they're trying to get you to agree that their position's right, that they're the victim, that the other person's a bad person, those are secondary questions. So examples, what's wrong with you? How can I fix my spouse, my children, my coworkers? How come it never works for me? A rhetorical, secondary, horrible question. <laughs> Why can't you change? Answers to secondary questions are insatiable. They thwart growth and are gloomy. So as the conversation continued, Mike and Tino were asked to write down three primary questions and share them with each other. Then collaborate their answers into three mutually acceptable questions that they're willing to research and answer together. Now, put in perspective here. So let's just say you are having difficulty with a relationship. It doesn't have to be a spouse. It could be a child, a grown child. It could be a friend. What if you actually did this? What if the two of you sat down and said, okay, what are the three, what are three primary questions we want to address together? I'm going to tell a quick story. It will seem at first unrelated. It's the story of a union negotiating with the business owners. Yeah, I like this. Let's go to a different yeah. scenario so we understand this it principle better. It was ugly, very ugly, and the union had gone out on strike. Mm -hmm. So the workers felt that they weren't being listened to. Mm -hmm. the, the owners of the company, the business owners, they felt that they weren't being listened to, that these people are ungrateful, etc. You, you know the two sides. Both of them are from their positions, or they're right. All right. So they brought in a consulting firm. And what the consulting firm did was they put all the union members in one room and they put all the, um, the owners, the, the business owners in the other room, and they simply had a brainstorming question, uh, question and answer series and they went for an hour. And they made a list and they each had a list of between 20 and 25 things that they want the business to look like. They want the work environment to look like. They simply brainstormed and they didn't worry about what the other person said, the other side said. Then what the consultants did is says, we'll see you after lunch, take a two hour lunch. They brought in all of their answers and they synthesized their answers. And they simply put them in random order so there was no 
one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And then they brought them all back and put them in the same room. And as they, as you would think, they sat segregated. You know, the union on one side and the business people on the other side. And then they said, all right, here's what we have found. This is what we, what you guys want, what y'all want in your, in your um, work environment. And they neutralized everybody's language. They synthesized a set of 15 or 20 points. They were identical to each other. They simply neutralized them. And they said, yes, that's what we want. And then the owners go, yeah, so that's what we want. They neutralized the language of right. it instead of, uh, we want them to do this so that this yes. happens. They simply said, then we want fair pay. So let's say the union members, we want fair pay. Well, the owners are going, yeah, we want you to be paid fair too. We want the following benefit. How did, how did the business owners word it? Do you remember? No, I don't. This has been a long time. It just came to me. The gist of the story was that when the consultant reviewed what they all wanted, they both realized they both wanted exactly the same thing. So it's really driving the minutiae things back to more universal principles, more which is what primary, primary questions, questions are about. Right. Yeah. So what they got them to do was, and they threw out the minutia. They simply went over the big deal. And when they looked at everyone in the room, they, they just stopped. They presented their findings. Mm-hmm. And then the, the owners and the, the union people started chattering within, with among themselves, right? And then they said, but everything on there is what we wanted. Did you guys have any of yours? And they said, no, everything on there is what we wanted. In other words, neither party was listening. Right. And then so they were losing that vision of seeing that in the end they really want the same thing. Tino and Micah want the same thing. They want to get along. Micah wants certain specific things. Tino wants certain specific things. But when you get off the specifics and you get more to the universal principles, the principle base, the primary questions that ask and drive you towards principles, it was probably the same. In so any, I'm curious what those questions was that they came up with. Any, anything that Micah really would want from Tino, if Tino felt safe, if Tino felt it was neutral, he'd probably do it for her if he could. But she was doing it in a way that compromised Tino's ability because he felt judged. Because she didn't feel safe space, right? Right. Well, when he isolated, what's the message that Micah got? So she felt compromised. So... The questions that they did come up with together was, what does it mean to love each other? I love that as a primary question because uh, Micah was probably super focused on, I want love to look like X, Y, and Z. Here's my love language. Here's my love language. I want you to do this for me. I want you to acknowledge me when I walk in the door. I want to kiss at this time of day, blah, blah, blah. She was really bogged down at the minutiae of what love looked like. But coming back to the primary question of what does love mean to each other, they can now discover discover that together, and it's safe for Tino to have a voice in that. Because I don't think before he had a voice. And what's interesting there is I've had many a client come to me and say, I hate that love language thing. <laughs> oh, the four love the four love languages. Five, five love languages. Love really, language. London, London yeah. explains it best. There's really only three, but you can yeah. call. I don't yeah. care if it's ten. And just to wrap that up, there, there's like touch. There's verbal, there's service slash gifts. Yeah. And the verbal would be time together. 
The simplicity of it and the reason people don't like it is because it gets manipulated on them. It gets yeah. leveraged on them. You're not speaking my love language. Right. I don't know if you remember. I, or, I or joke the, that you and I said once, I said, look, it, I speak two languages. You only speak one. You need to up your game. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> but I mean, and in, in just fair, you know, she, it, she, it, it's, it, it's, it was a joke. I know. But it's fair to say, like, the love language thing, it does raise your awareness. And it's like anything else you learn, you can use it and, and turn the dark side on it. It's more of an right. awareness. Because for me, it was like, what do I really like? And and so this is where Tino and Mike are. What does it mean for them? Right. And and it's going to be individual. But if Tino gets to hear about it in a neutral way, then Tino, with time, will be able to work on it. Number two. What is the purpose of marriage? Why are we together? I don't know if many couples ask that. What is the purpose of marriage? Why are we together? Uh, you know, a lot of people say because it's about raising the kids. Or we have just experienced, what, three weeks of empty nesting? Yeah, and we so, are. So it's a really fun question to ask for ourselves because it's so easy when the kids are in your life and in your daily that you get bogged down with um, marriage slash family is about the kids. But right. we're experiencing about what is the purpose of marriage. Number three was... How do we build a strong relationship together? That only works when you start understanding question one is question two. It's still a primary question, but yeah. it can be, you're going to get tertiary, secondary and tertiary questions off that. Yeah. And, and the answer to that one, it has more to do with the drama triangle that Dr. Holland showed them. It's you're going to focus on you and you're going to give permission for your, you to, to rejuvenate for yourself. So after reading their questions, Dr. Holland smiled and set the next appointment. Their homework assignment was to begin answering the primary questions, then to come up with secondary questions based on the primary questions. So now they can go to secondary um, questions that are connected to a primary question because it's connecting them to a principle. So his final piece of wisdom was as follows. Micah and Tino. Once you answer the primary questions, you leave doubt behind. It's not necessary or possible to satisfactorily answer all the secondary questions, even when principle-based. Hmm, that's an important piece. You're not necessarily going to answer them all, and you might get rid of some and replace them with others. And you don't need to. It's not important. But if the secondary questions are primary-based, you're simply leaving an open-ended experience in mm -hmm. the relationship that both of you can explore. However, if you answer the primary questions, the gloom of bad secondary questions disappears. You can have a lot of questions without answers. However, it's no longer necessary to have doubt. I love that. I have too many couples. I, I know of too many people who get stuck in the secondary questions of gloom or the gloom of secondary questions. They keep asking the wrong things. They're barking up the wrong trees, and it's collusionary. They're going to be more miserable tomorrow than they are today until they can stop for a moment, get off the merry-go-round of secondary questions, and just get focused on who am I? And we're going to cover that in the next segment. The criticalness of who you are can dictate um, your happiness in life. And then ask yourself, what can I do? And then let me share this last bit of, of my takeaway, and then um, I'd like to get some from you, Sherry. 
My biggest takeaway in the entire process in the last 15 years of marriage is how much I can influence your behavior by focusing on just being healthy for me. Um, that's interesting because as much as people get focused on fixing that other person, um, there's always that expectation. And I, I, I'm going to go back to when we did, um, I was supporting the family support group for addiction recovery program in our church. And these women would come in, you know, broken, abused, their husbands are addicted to, you know, pornography or something pernicious. They felt abandoned. They felt betrayed. And when I would sit there and, you know, gently try to bring up that you are not going to focus on your husband, his problems, how are you going to fix them? You're going to fix yourself. And they're like, but wait, this person has broken me. I'm not the problem. I have been hurt. I have my marriage, my family life. All of that has been in the dumps because this one person has done all this bad. And when I'm saying, no, you're going to fix yourself it almost feels really harsh. It feels like a slap in the face emotionally. But, and then when I say, when you do that, then you invite change to not only happen for yourself, but for that other person. And when I want you to do this, I don't want you to expect them to change. But it does happen. You guys, I have a lot to say to that. We'll we'll cover that. Uh, In the next segment, we're actually going to pick this up from a, a unique perspective, we're gonna, I'm going to tell um, an apocryphal story. It's a legendary from the Hebrew perspective about Moses um, to explain another level of primary questions. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll pick this up. I know I'm not alone, Austin. (laughs) It's 3 a.m. and you know that feeling. It's a cold or the flu or COVID-19. Whatever it is, I need it gone fast. When I feel symptoms coming on, I have an MD Live virtual doctor visit. MD Live's doctors treat my family from the comfort of home, even writing prescriptions. No waiting room needed. MD Live. Use it as your first line of defense. Most insurance accepted. I know I'm not alone, Austin. It's 3 a.m. and you know that feeling. It's a cold or the flu or COVID-19. Whatever it is, I need it gone fast. When I feel symptoms coming on, I have an MD Live virtual doctor visit. MD Live's doctors treat my family from the comfort of home, even writing prescriptions. No waiting room needed. MD Live. Use it as your first line of defense. Most insurance accepted.